Hey, this is Angel. And Blake. And Tammy. And we're total creepsters. You're listening to Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings. Enjoy the episode. And I'm Carrie. And we are a Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 178. And we have an intro. <laughs> so thank you so much, Angel and Blake and Tammy. It was like a roll call. I loved it. Hey, they killed it. Thank you so much for sending in your intro. If you're doing intro, send it in. And if you want to do an intro, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right, jumping in. Sinister Sightings, my old friend. Hey, ladies, I've just started listening to your podcast about three months ago, and I'm in love. I've never been able to find a paranormal or true crime podcast that I love as much as this one. It really keeps me entertained while I'm at work. I've decided to write in today because of something that happened recently, and I wanted to share the story as my first Sinister Sightings. So to begin with, I've always been sensitive or at least, I think, to the paranormal and just weird stuff. And this story is about a man I have come to know as Robert, the spirit or entity that makes his presence known to me from time to time. If they say that Robert is wearing a sailor suit, I'm throwing my phone. Oh my gosh, yes. If you know, you know. If you don't, go to episode three. Just to describe Robert a little bit, he's tall, bald, or usually wearing a bowler hat, reddish eyes, and is mostly all black, kind of like a 3D shadow man. My first time ever meeting Robert was in an old room in my parents' house. I had to share a room with my brother, and we had bunk beds. He was on the top, and I was on the bottom. I was about 13 at the time, and he would have been 9. I had fallen asleep one night and felt as if I woke up. I was out of bed, though, is the weird thing. I was in my doorway, and I looked over to my bed, and there I saw myself sleeping. I was shocked and couldn't move. I knew I was dreaming then. Before I even tried to move, I heard a low voice say, Do you see what I see? On repeat. I turned to the closet and saw a head of a man peeking out of the closet doors, looking out the window that was right next to my bed. Obviously, I was mortified. He kept repeating himself, and it only got louder and louder. This happened for about two minutes before I could even move. I slowly made my way over to the window to see what this man was talking about, and as soon as I got up to the window, I woke up. It was daytime, and I sprung right out of bed. I climbed up the ladder on my bunk bed to ask my brother if he had heard anything last night, and he wasn't there. Actually, he had moved out of the room that day to his own room. It was supposed to be a surprise. The next few nights were awful for me. I couldn't sleep and even tried to close my eyes because I was so scared. I'd shared a room with my brother for the last five years and just wasn't used to being alone. A week later, I was at school and me and my friend were chatting on our way to class and she, for some reason, said the name Robert and something clicked. I knew that was his name. I told her about the closet man and said I felt as if his name was Robert. Totally freaked out at this point, we went about our day trying to figure out what this dream meant. At lunchtime, we sat closest to the window in the lunchroom. Oh, and keep in mind, there's huge corn bins right next to the parking lot of the school because, you know, rural Minnesota. I had happened to look up to the top of the tallest bin and saw a man walking across the top. I tried to get a better look, but before I could get close to the window, the man had jumped. 
I screamed, and my friends were all asking what happened. I told them, and they didn't believe me. I had convinced myself that this was the same man that I had thought to be Robert. Later that night, I was woken up by my dad yelling and running out of the house. I had found out that my neighbor had been a victim of a domestic violence assault and had almost died from how bad it was. I could only think to myself, was that man jumping earlier a warning? Another Robert story is a little more tame, I guess. This was about three years later, so I would have been 16 or 17. I had moved rooms when my sister was born, and she had my old room, and I had a new one next to her. It was during a calm summer day, no clouds in sight. I heard a radio kick on in my sister's room. I figured she was just trying to find something to listen to because it was only static and muffled voices. I was getting annoyed because typical teenager, so I stormed in and told her to shut it off. I look around and she wasn't in her room. I walked over to the radio and it was on full blast. I clicked the power button and it didn't turn off. I kept clicking it, getting annoyed that the radio was freaking out. As I was struggling to turn it off, I had caught only one word from the radio, burn. It caught me off guard and I unplugged the radio out of fear. That night we had a crazy storm that had a lightning strike hit our front lawn and catch a small fire. My first thought was probably yours for the radio. Robert. Ever since then, I've always caught glimpses of Robert, and I'd put together that he appeared to me when something crazy or big in my life was about to happen. I'm writing this now because I had the most crazy experience yet with Robert. It was a while since I had last seen him in full. I had only seen glimpses. I'm 19 at the time of writing this, and this event happened two weeks before. I'd woken up in the middle of the night around three. I looked to my door and there he was, standing, looking at the window above my bed. I couldn't move and he just stared. I tried to walk towards him and struggled out a, what do you want? He raised his hand out towards me and I had fallen asleep instantly. I woke up freaking out, wondering what was going to happen. Nothing has happened yet, so I wonder if that was Robert just saying hello or saying goodbye. I really haven't seen him since that. Just little things out of the corner of my eye. Well, sorry if this is a little long, but Robert is just an interesting man, and I wanted to tell his story. I hope you end up reading this, ladies, and I hope that Robert will even see my writing to you. Creep it real, Jordan F. Well, when you first described Robert, I was like, oh, scary. But then it kind of seemed, yeah, like he was like warning you that something was going to happen. Right? So, yeah, I guess don't judge a book by the cover. Well, it's been probably long enough. So either you haven't ever seen him again or um, whatever that was going to happen happened. So can you just send us an update? Thanks. (laughs) Okay, the next one. True crime cautionary tale. Hi, ladies. I'm writing today with a cautionary tale. Due to the nature of this story and to protect people involved, I won't be including any names and would like to stay anonymous. I've never written this story out, and only my immediate family and closest friends know about the details. Warning to listeners, this story involves kids. In 2015, my family and I lived in half a duplex with kitchen, living room, and a small bathroom on the main level, three bedrooms, and a full bathroom on the second floor. My oldest daughter, M, my daughter from a previous relationship, was 12 at the time, and she had her own room. 
My youngest daughter, six, and stepdaughter, eight, shared a room, and my fiancé at the time took up the third room. We kind of had a yours, mine, and ours family. One night in January, we all went to bed as usual. The day hadn't been particularly eventful. It was just a regular day until it wasn't. I always thought or hoped rather if a big event or a tragic circumstance were to happen, I would have some type of gut feeling that something was wrong or were going to go bad soon. But I'm sorry to say that this particular evening was just like every other. In the early morning hours, I was woken up by the sound of someone running down the stairs. Still being half asleep, my mind pictured one of my kids running down the stairs in the morning to be first to grab the TV controller for cartoon time. Then I heard the back door slam. It took me a fraction of a second to realize no one should be opening and closing an exterior door at this time in the morning because the sun wasn't even up yet. I bolted upright in the bed, shaking my fiancé, telling him to wake up and that I think someone had been in the house. He jumped out of bed and out to the front door to try to catch a glimpse of the scumbag. Fortunately, the police were already outside. Apparently, the shithead had attempted to break into the unit on the other side of the duplex before hitting up my house. My neighbor was awake getting ready for work at the time and saw someone trying to open her windows. Thank the gods that she called the cops right away. The next thing I hear is M sobbing softly, walking toward my room, and she says, Mom, I'm really scared. Someone was just in my room. I grabbed her up, squeezed her as tight as I could. She then whispered to me that he had touched her. My heart broke. I had no idea how to console her. All I could do was to rock her on my lap and tell her that it would be okay. The bad man is gone. Over the next few minutes, several police officers started showing up, asking questions, and looking around. At this point, I realized that I'm still sitting in my bed, wrapped up in my blanket, wearing nothing underneath. All those years I spent worrying that I would one day wake up in the middle of the night to my house being on fire and I would have to run outside buck naked, titties flapping everywhere. <laughs> Never did I think I'd be sitting on my bed wearing nothing but my birthday suit surrounded by police and cradling my child. It was determined that the steaming pile of elephant dung climbed in through our downstairs bathroom window, which was not locked. I tried to make sure all the windows and doors were locked every evening before going to bed. The evening before, I had changed the cat litter that we kept in that bathroom, had opened the window to air the room out, and had forgotten to lock it back when I was finished. My heart broke even more. Not only had my sweet baby been violated, I felt responsible because it was my fault the window was left unlocked. My then-fiancé started pointing his fingers at me and blaming me for all this happening. It was my fault the window was not locked, and therefore my fault that we were robbed and my daughter was assaulted. There's no surprise there. I was always taking the blame for every issue during the course of our relationship. He was not a good guy, and we would end up splitting in the fall of that year. I could not have cared less about the TV, gaming system, and the laptop that was stolen, but my fiancé was raging about it. Like I said, not a good guy. After we gave our statements to the police and with victim services, we found out that the police had caught the little jizz stain who only lived two blocks away from us. 
what's that saying? Don't shit where you eat or sleep or something to that effect. That motherfucker was in M's room and had seen the police car pull up in front of the house through her window. He waited for the cop to enter the neighbors and then ran. That's when I woke up hearing him run down the stairs and out the back door. The hearing for our burglary and assault case was held about seven months after the incident happened. The maggot pleaded guilty, so thankfully M didn't have to testify, but her and I both wrote victim impact statements that I was allowed to read to the court before sentencing. While on the stand reading our statements, I didn't look up. I couldn't. If I lifted my eyes off of that page I was reading, I would have broken down and not been able to finish. My father, who was in the courtroom, told me afterwards that the police officer that was on duty guarding the putrid glob of dick cheese had started crying not audibly but he saw him wiping tears away from hearing how the assault had affected her she was only 13 at the time of the hearing old dick cheese didn't even lift his head while i read he hung his head low like the low life he is and didn't look up once through the entire sentencing this next part may be difficult to hear. It's not added for shock value, but rather to really paint a picture of the mental and emotional trauma my daughter has endured and still struggles with today, six years later. I totally understand if you choose to cut this out for the show. It's not graphic, but it is disturbing considering that she was only 12. The court got to hear that while there was no rape involved, he did touch her and how he told her he had a quote, big knife, and if she made a sound, he would kill her. When she protested, he told her, I'm going to fuck you, and if you scream, you die. Could you imagine as a 12-year-old what that would do to you? Can you imagine how those words echo inside her head? Even though he was threatening her life, she had done exactly what I had told her to do if she had to protect herself. She kicked at him, pushed at his hands that were trying to remove her clothing. She tried to scream but was so scared that her voice failed her. During the proceedings, the defense lawyer tried to downplay the severity of the assault, stating that there had been no penetration, no rape, just fondling. Ew. She was 12 years old. How could any human with a soul try to downplay a sexual assault on a child? In the end, the rancid juice at the bottom of a garbage bin, paints an image of the fucker, eh? Was sentenced to two and a half years for interference of a child and theft. Because of his time served, credit he accumulated while incarcerated awaiting trial, this meant that he would be carrying less than two years, which put him in the provincial jail. The Crown attorney wasn't happy with this result, and they presented an appeal to the court for a longer sentence. During this hearing, the Crown attorney really pressed the fact that the threats made to her have scarred her for life. He repeated those threats several times throughout the hearing. He also talked about how much emotional trauma she's endured from this happening in her own bed in the middle of the night when she should have been safe and sound in her own home with her mother and stepfather just two doors away. She must have been so terrified. Just thinking about how she must have felt, I'm having trouble typing through my tears. The judge sentenced a human form of inflamed oozing hemorrhoid to four years. Not nearly enough time, but at least he would be sent to federal prison. 
As I've stated several times now, my daughter was absolutely traumatized by this event. Shortly after, she became extremely depressed. She dropped out of the Navy cadets and lost all interest in all the hobbies that she had loved to do. She soon became suicidal, which shattered my already broken heart. My sweet girl, so kind and brave and talented in everything she set her mind to, was telling me that she wanted to die. Of course, there were extreme nightmares too. She soon started self-harming by cutting, or often if she was really upset, she would bang her head against the wall. Because of her struggles, M has attempted suicide several times by taking almost any kind of pill she could get her hands on, be it over-the-counter or prescription, by the handfuls. After each attempt, she would spend time at the hospital in the mental health unit. At this point, I have to go on a bit of a tangent. During one of these hospital visits after an attempt, I got a hold of my boss to let him know that my daughter was in the hospital and I couldn't come in for work the next day. That soulless bastard had the nerve to ask if my mother could sit with him while I go to work and then proceeded to tell me that he would just mark me absent that day and that we would have a conversation in his office when I got back. I said to him, my daughter just tried to kill herself and is still unconscious, but you want to talk to me about my attendance? Unbelievable, right? I pray for the day when mental health problems are taken seriously. Okay, tangent over. At 16, M developed osteoarthritis in her hips. We just recently found out the cause to be a B27 gene she inherited. Only 8% of the people who inherit the gene will develop an inflammatory condition which caused her hip bones to degrade. Her right hip was so badly degraded that she was unable to walk for two years having to use crutches and then a wheelchair until the doctors decided to do a hip replacement. She was actually the youngest person to ever have that operation in our province. She has completely healed on the right side, and doctors are saying that the left hip will be replaced very soon, hopefully by the time you read this email. Em is doing much better with her mental health. You ladies have said on the podcast that the primary victims of crimes are not only the victims. Sometimes their families and other loved ones are perhaps not as quite as broken as the victims, but we are left trying to build their world back up to make sure they heal as much as possible. Sometimes their families are left traumatized too. Even though I know the invasion wasn't my fault, I still struggle with guilt. I try to shut up that voice in my head telling me that I was supposed to protect my babies and I didn't. What if our neighbor hadn't called the police? Would he have gone through with his threats? What if he decided to take her? What if he had entered the other girls' rooms as well? These thoughts still spring up in my mind. I think I will always feel responsible deep down. Since then, I have developed a compulsion when it comes to keeping doors and windows locked. Even when I'm home in the middle of the day, I will have everything locked up. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and won't be able to go back to sleep until I check all the doors and all the windows. At times, the compulsion is so strong that I will lock, then unlock, and relock a door just because the latch didn't feel quite right the first time. I have looked at a door seeing that it is locked, but seeing it isn't enough at that moment and I have to unlock and relock the door just to be sure. My daughter is doing much better these days. There is still healing to do as trauma is a difficult bitch to battle. I heard someone say recently on another podcast that they believe trauma is energy that got stuck. They believe that not moving through and not feeling the emotions associated with the trauma is what causes that energy to get stuck. 
this is total bullshit. I can assure you my daughter felt every agonizing moment and every single emotion associated. She felt it all, like a warrior she pushed through. There were times where she felt she could no longer silence the toxic seed the trauma had implanted in her mind that will never totally go away. This has been extremely long. I hope I was able to retell it in a straightforward way. I've never tried to write our story before, so I hope it wasn't all over the place with the timeline. I will end this email by saying thank you so, so, so much for creating a safe space for us in the Creepinati to tell our very personal stories and experiences. And I want to remind you all out there listening to lock your doors, lock your windows, and kiss your babies. Squeeze them tight and let them know that they are safe with you and you always have their backs. Creep it real, friends. Love, S. Your poor baby. Oh my gosh. And bless you for feeling that guilt. I I don't know that guilt, but I know how guilt is. And it's like, you know that it wasn't your fault. But even though you're saying that, it's like one little ounce of you is like, but it is. And it's like, no, no, no. I know it wasn't, but it was, you know, like it's just that one little like whisper and you're screaming at yourself, but that one whisper is louder than all the screams. And so I can only imagine what it would be like because of that trauma that your child had to endure. Like, oh my gosh, that really is heartbreaking. But I think Carrie and I both kind of resonated with you like checking in, like, I'm going to lock it, relock it. You know, like I get like that too. Like, I don't know if it doesn't feel right or something. I'm like, I check the door to make sure. Yeah, I get the, if it doesn't feel right. But that for me is more of like a sensory thing versus like a like, look, I'm not a, a psychologist. I just play one on the podcast. But like a trauma-related like OCD ritual. Mm. So I get the it's got to feel right, but from a very different perspective. Yeah. I don't, I guess it's kind of, it's not trauma-related. It's the fear of what will happen because I know I'm very slow. Like, again, if we were in a zombie apocalypse, like y'all would want me on your team just because, you know, everyone can run faster than me. But also, um, fuck that guy. And for only getting that little amount of time, it's such bullshit. And like you said, though, about your neighbor, thank God that she called the police. They were there. It was like the perfect storm, but also like in all the ways. Like leading up to it because like all, you know, all the things that led up to it, but also all the things that put like ended it. Yeah. Well, we could say over and over again, you can't, like, don't blame yourself. You don't blame yourself. But we totally get that level of survivor's guilt in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah. But you're a good mama and you're doing the best that you can. Yes. And also, do you wear clothes to bed now or no? The things Donna thinks. <laughs> okay, the next one. Hello. They didn't say it like that. I just did. <laughs> First off, I love the podcast and I've been listening since I found it a year ago when the lockdown started. It helped me get through some rough times and now those memories are replaced with me working on my garden under the California sun while your podcast is playing in the background. Anyway, I wanted to share a story with you. My brother passed away suddenly on September 14th, 2020. He was only 26 years old and apparently had a heart attack. It was so sudden and surreal. My mom had just talked to him over a video call that afternoon, and the same night at 10 p.m., they called us to tell us he had passed away. Our family, until this point, had been so blessed to never have had to deal with a death so close to us. 
I didn't even know how to process it, how to prepare for a funeral or anything at all about what to do when a loved one passes away. Like so many, 2020 was a rough year for my brother and he unfortunately fell into drugs. I think many of your listeners that have shared their own experiences when it came to battling meth addictions because I feel like I get to at least learn and understand a little bit about what my brother was going through since he never wanted to share with us. Although he was battling his addiction at the time of his death, I take comfort that he had had some beautiful, happy days before his death, and hopefully some of those fears and nightmares were gone. It's been almost six months since he passed, and before this experience, I hadn't really known for sure whether my brother was around me or not until this past weekend. I live in San Diego and frequently cross the border into Tijuana to visit family and my brother when he was still alive. Although I usually drive in with my sister, this time I was crossing through the pedestrian side by myself. It looked like a long wait, so I wanted to listen to some music to help pass the time. And of course, the only playlist I have downloaded is the one my family and I created for my brother with songs that he liked and songs that reminded us of him. I tell myself, okay, just don't start crying here in the middle of all these people. I have a tendency to get emotional at the most unfortunate times, like in public. Oh, same. Okay, not to make it about me. Anyway, as I'm standing there listening to these songs, I realize that the last time I crossed the pedestrian side was also the last time I saw my brother before he passed. And of course, that made me cry even more. I looked up to try to keep my tears in, and there's a billboard promoting Mexico cities. I see the city of Guadalajara. My brother loved going to Guadalajara. That's where my dad used to live, and I know some of his happiest days were spent there in the rancho in the middle of so much beautiful nature. Now the tears are freely flowing, and I'm missing him more than ever. The line is moving along pretty fast, and I'm nearing the point where I will have to go up to the border agent, so I play one last song, You'll Be In My Heart from Disney's Tarzan movie. We always loved that song growing up, and it's always reminded me of our childhood and happier times. I finally cross to the U.S. side, and my cousin picks me up. I tell her I need a drink after all that crying, so I start to Google some places where we can pick up some drinks to take home. I find the cutest rooftop restaurant in Normal Heights, SKA Bar, highly recommend if you're in the area, and we decided to stay there instead of taking our orders to go. As I'm telling my cousin about the crying in public and missing my brother, a song starts to play. Would you like to guess what song? You guessed it, You'll Be In My Heart. I could not believe it. Why was a bar playing a Disney song on a Sunday night? I took it as a sign that yes, my brother is still with me. And no, this time I didn't cry. I was happy. I had a cheesy, huge smile on my face. I was also a little buzzed at this point. Their drinks are so good. (laughs) While I miss being able to see my brother and his huge bear hugs, I know that he is in a better place and he no longer has to be in pain. I always thought his heart and soul were too pure for this world. And now he is an angel in heaven watching over his three sisters, probably highly annoyed that we cry so much, even though it's because we miss him. He used to hate it when we cried. Thank you for reading my story and my brothers. For those out there that are fighting addiction, I may not understand what you're going through, but know that there is someone out there that loves and cares for you. Please keep fighting and seek help, accept help. We've lost too many loved ones already. Thank you, Marisol. Man, I do love that Phil Collins song. It's so interesting to me, people who like have never experienced a, a loss like that, like, like to have coworkers and stuff that like now have a sick grandparent or something. I'm like, you still got grandparents? I <laughs> like, and that sounds terrible, but like, 
you still have grandparents? Yeah. Okay, so to make this about me, today I was at a dermatologist appointment, like, at a different place, and the nurse was taking my information, and she said, um, what's your marital status? And I, I said, single. Or she said, are you single? She knew. And, you know, and I'm like, yeah. And she said, do you have any living parents? And I said, no. And she said, so who's your emergency contact? My friend. <laughs> you know, It's me. Terry, no, it's not you. Him. Bitch didn't put me. <laughs> no, well, because I figured because Tiffany was with me. Oh, okay. If something happened, she was right there. Okay. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. It, it normally is you. That and it was weird the first time uh, putting her because it was like okay. drop my damn phone over it. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, uh huh. That's a funny. Story. Wait, what? Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> that bitch taking my spot uh-huh but it was just so funny like so who's your <laughs> emergency contact a friend <laughs> but back to you i'm very sorry for your loss like oh my gosh and i'm really glad that you like it's just how it it was meant for y'all to be at that place mm-hmm. to hear that song it's nice when you get those moments where you feel like they're telling you stuff because you know you do that you're like god i don't know if they're around me like you know i haven't gotten any Anything from them, like, are they here? And then you get something and it's like, oh, thank God. Yes. Okay, the next one. Sleep paralysis plus paranormal encounters. Hey, ladies, regular listener here. Love the podcast. It's so nice to know I'm not alone in my creepster tendencies. Anyway, here goes. Since I was a little kid, I can remember feeling like I had an extra sense that those around me didn't have, but decided to keep it to myself so I didn't come off as crazy. Jump forward 10 years when I began getting sleep paralysis experiences. Whenever I would fall asleep, I would consistently see a man in the doorway of whatever room I was in. For the longest time, I just chalked it up to the typical sleep paralysis hallucinations. And I try not to think much of it. Shortly after my 18th birthday, I decided to move out of my parents' house. It was then that my parents decided to tell me that the husband of the couple that owned the house before us had died in the house. When I say that I internally panicked, that was an understatement, which leads to this next part. During the better part of my 20s, I spent a lot of time drinking way more than I should and dealing with my lifetime of trauma by numbing out instead of confronting it. Strangely enough, during that time, I had no sleep paralysis hallucinations or at least that I can remember. One night, after spending the better part of the day drinking, a voice that sounded nothing like my own said, you have to stop. If you don't get sober, you're going to die. My heart sank, and I felt my blood run cold. I didn't know who was saying this to me, but I could feel in my whole being that they were right, and that they had come to me as a warning. So I stopped drinking, and straight up weirdness has ensued since. This year has been full of unexplainable energies and experiences, but I'll leave you with this last one. About a month ago, I was taking a nap on my couch. I was in and out of consciousness when I suddenly felt like I needed to escape someone. I could see myself running, and I saw a dark figure behind me. I was trying to get inside my apartment building when I felt myself being shot multiple times in the back. Pain radiating up through my spine and throughout my body. It was then that this sense of knowing came over me. People had been murdered here. Once I made this connection, I was able to move from the couch. 
I immediately started Googling murder followed by my apartment address. What came up in my search was not one, but two separate murders by gunfire. One happened in January of 2008, the next in 2009, both in the doorway of that apartment. After this finding, I just sat there and cried. Both of these young men would have been around my age had they survived. I mourned their lives taken away too soon in such a violent way. I told them I was sorry for what happened to them and I burned incense as I thought for and I burned incense as I thought for their families and the lives they didn't get to have. Even though I know they are energetically in this building, I'm not afraid of their presence and I'm grateful that they shared their experiences with me so that I now have a better awareness of where I reside and how differently this specific area used to be. I know this email was a little all over the place, but I do feel like they are all kind of tied together in their own chaotic ways. Thanks for reading, and as always, creep it real. Yeah, sure. They wait until you're moving out to tell you. Right. (laughs) Well, that information would have been handy before. Right. So I could protect myself. Girl, when they said that they saw a man, I was like, if they described that Robert character from Uh -uh. before, Uh -uh. I would have been like, done, 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 done. Uh, Ending the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Like, nope. But all is well. You didn't describe him. It could have been the same person, but you didn't describe him. So I don't know. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. (laughs) But oh my God, I could not imagine like actually feeling the pain of being shot and stuff. Like, oh. And why did it get bad after you were drinking? You think it'd be bad like while you were drinking? Yeah. Maybe like kind of numbed. You know, but people... I say this like I know these people, but it would be like a fictionalized TV show, but they would drink so they wouldn't see the spirit. True, true, true. like can shut that part off and numb it and all that. Okay. This one's called Dildo Dan and Turnt Tammy. Oh, God. Hello, lovely ladies. My name's Maddie, and I recently found your wonderful podcast, and I am obsessed. I've always loved all things paranormal and true crime, and I love that your podcast combines both of those things with comedy and friendship. Keep doing what you're doing. On to my story. I'm currently a college student living in a house with 22 other girls, so 23 of us total. In this house, we have two ghosts, Dildo Dan and Turnt Tammy. Whenever I first moved in, I didn't believe in these ghosts or ghosts in general, honestly, but soon I realized that they are very real in this house or at least seem to be. I don't know a single girl that lives in this house right now that has not had an experience with at least one of these ghosts. For context, this house is over 100 years old. There are several rooms on our second floor that we call our personal study rooms. In our study rooms, we keep our clothes, personal items, etc. The personal rooms are where we usually sit and study, hang out, and spend most of our time during the day. But we don't sleep in these rooms. We actually sleep in our cold air dorm, which is located in what would be the house's attic. The CAD, as we call it. We have single beds lined up throughout the whole thing. It's 24-7 dark, 24-7 quiet. This kind of makes it seem creepy already, but the CAD is also where our main ghost, Dildo Dan, seems to spend most of his time. Whether or not his name is actually Dan, when slash if he was alive, we have no idea. That's simply the name the girls in the house gave him years and years ago, and it stuck. 
While Dan spends most of his time in the CAD, Tammy tends to hang out in our basement, which is mostly a group hangout area. Tammy is usually pretty inactive, only turning lights on and off and making little noises here and there. But Dan can be an issue. He's known to shake beds in the CAD, run past beds, and make sounds in the middle of the night, among other things. My personal experiences with Dan consist of mostly sounds and things not being where I left them last. For example, the end of my phone charger tucked under my pillow rather than on the floor where I had left it. Damn, Dan cleans up for you? Uh, you can send Dan and his dildo over here. Okay. My fan at the foot of my bed being moved or my blankets being tossed to the end of my bed. I make my bed every morning. Oh, maybe not clean it up. Okay, never mind. You can go over. One night, I had a particularly interesting experience with Dan. I was having trouble getting to sleep that night because I was planning to drive home the following morning and was excited to get home and see my family. It took me forever to fall asleep and once I was asleep I kept waking up throughout the night. At one point I woke up and grabbed my phone to check the time and scroll through Facebook until I got tired again. I checked the time. It was around 3 a.m. of course and suddenly started hearing footsteps that seemed to be running around the CAD. I tried to just ignore it, but the next thing I knew, the footsteps that seemed to be inside the house stopped, and I started hearing pounding steps running up and down the fire escape. This is when I got super freaked out. I turned my phone off and sat there in dark silence, waiting for the sound to stop. In addition to the steps, I heard something that sounded like a couple getting into an argument directly outside the fire escape door. After about five minutes, all of it stopped. I've convinced myself that the argument could have been our neighbors, although it sounded very close and our neighbors are an alley and a small parking lot from the back of our house where our fire escape is located but there is absolutely no explanation for the footsteps and the running on the fire escape. The next morning before I left for home, I asked other girls that slept in the cab that night if they woke up and heard any running, footsteps, or talking the night before. None of them did. Months later, this still unsettles me to think about. I haven't had any experiences with Dildo Dan since then, but I plan to live in this house for the rest of my college years, so cheers to what will likely be many more Dildo Dan stories. Thank you ladies so much for taking time to read this. Sorry about the length. Thanks so much, Maddie L. Um, can I go sleep in the CAD right now? Well, you know, it reminded, like, at first I was like, oh, a sorority house. And then I was like, oh, like, everyone sleeping in rows like that remind me of, like, uh, not in the right, like, this is probably in the right way, but an orphanage. Because I just recently started watching back uh, The Queen's Gambit. And, like, I mean, it's back in the day. But, like, she, yeah. you know, it's, like, all the... I pictured camp. You pictured... Cool. <laughs> it's just because I had watched that again. And so, they're all there. People would hate me. People would be like, get out of the fucking cad right I, now. I literally, my... um, I have snored since I was a kid. Like, Colby does not believe me. I'm like, no. I snored like a grown man. <laughs> like a grizzly bear. As, like, an eight-year-old. Yeah, same. So I'm like, where do you put your sleep apnea machine? <laughs> Donna refuses to get one. Yes. Because how I sleep, it just would not be comfortable. You even said yourself. Yeah, but you adapt. No, I don't like sleeping on my back. Don't. Sleep on your side. I don't like sleeping on my side. Well, still get one. You need one. <laughs> but um, look, when we were in high school, Tiffany's bedroom was in the center of her house. Oh, yeah. No windows, but... Like, it was very close to the kitchen stuff, so you could hear things. But, like, all I picture is this room is ice cold. And, like, there's, like, a low hum of, like, a fan. Well, because that is Tiffany's room. Because it would be colder 
And that fan was big. No, but like this this room that I'm picturing, this mm-hmm. CAD room, it's fucking freezing. <laughs> and it feels amazing. And I need to be there immediately. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Tiffany's room was the best for taking naps. It was like a casino. You didn't know what time it was, but it was like a nighttime casino <laughs> where there were no lights. And you just lulled yourself to sleep god that's such good sleep okay the next one hey ladies i have a sinister sightings from about a year or two ago yes you can use my name one night in july i live in idaho i was asleep around 1 30 in the morning and i kept hearing screaming from outside side note i live in a shady neighborhood so yelling in the middle of the night it isn't so out of the ordinary when i opened my eyes i saw blue flashes Don't fuck with my sleep. And after about 20 minutes, the yelling and the lights were still going on. So I got out of bed to go check it out. When I looked out the window, I saw a lady yelling at two cops and a man sitting in the curb. The woman was very obviously resisting arrest. And the cops were being rough with her because she was resisting. The woman finally calmed down and got in the cop car after about an hour. And at this point, both me and my mom were watching this go down. A few days later, when my mom was checking the local news, she saw the woman that was arrested. Turns out she was carrying a bunch of heroin, some weed, and I think Coke. The only reason the cops stopped the lady was because she ran a stop sign and a cop saw. Sorry this is long. Love you guys a lot. Love, Millie. I love that Millie's like, sorry this is long. And it wasn't. It wasn't. Please don't ever apologize for the length. That goes for anyone. Don't apologize for the length. But, oh my God, well, one, this is so something that me and my mama would have done. So, love that for (laughs) y'all. But, wow, see, this is how I would get stopped, too. I think, also, didn't uh, Ted Bundy get stopped from, like, a traffic violation? But if I had done something, this is how I would get caught. Because I will, I ease into a stop, rolling stop. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. (laughs) Or go above the speed limit. You know, whatever. Whatever. I was just watching a TikTok with Bethany Frankel because she is coming for the Kardashians. Because all this stuff with, um... Ray J? Yeah, coming out with, like, the receipts about them, Mm -hmm. you know? And she said something to the effect of, like, it's always, like, the bullshit stuff that gets you caught, you know? So, like that. Like, it was the stop sign that got her caught. You know, it's always, like, Al Capone, it's the fraud or whatever it yeah, was tax, you know, evasion. tax evasion like it's always the bullshit stuff that gets you caught not the big shit yeah okay the next one hey guys just want to start out saying i've been listening to your podcast non-stop at work for a couple of months thank you so much for making me look like a crazy person because i'm laughing at myself in the lab i love you guys so much for making long days away from my four-month-old baby easier so i'll start with a paranormal story from my house we just moved into We were doing some flooring in what is now my son's room, and it was around 10 o'clock at night when we were on the last locking piece of the floor. I was standing up, and my mother-in-law and her husband were on the ground locking it in. I looked out the window and saw a fucking face, just chilling, being like, what you doing? Almost looked like the face was checking in on our work. Now, I thought this was a peeping Tom, so I did the only logical thing I could think of. I slapped my husband, who was in the living room asleep beside the baby, and told him to go tell that motherfucker to stop it or the cops will be called. He walks outstairs, walked the whole two acres, and there was no one. 
Now, we live in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's a big open field to the right of my house, and my landlord goes to sleep at 8 o'clock every night across the road. He walked in and said, babe, you're just tired. Go take the baby and lay down. So I brushed it off being sleep deprived from having a three month old who wakes up every four hours. Then one day I was sitting in our rocker trying to put my son to sleep for his midday nap and I hear voices that sounded like my great grandfather and my landlord talking. Now my great grandfather passed away in 2020 and my landlord has a very distinct voice. So my husband walks into me like freaking eyes wide open and almost shaking. I told him to look outside and see where my landlord was, and he said he was across the road cutting grass. So I didn't tell him about the voices. I had some white sage, and I saged the absolute fuck out of this house. Both of these happened like two weeks ago. We haven't had any other weird sightings happen. I have some other stories about me seeing shadow figures as a child and my husband finding a dead body that I might get him to tell me about so I can write in about it. Also, I have a legend about a haunted bridge for Donna from my old town. Sorry about grammar and punctuation. Thank you, ladies, for all the giggles. Creep it real. Love, Aaron. Nope, don't like any of that. No. Oh, my God. See, and that's the thing when you have something like where you're sleep deprived like that. Are you really sleep deprived? Or are you really seeing that? Yeah. Like we talk about people who have like schizophrenia and stuff. Are they really seeing stuff? Yeah. Because you are like worn down to a part where it is like you said hallucinations, question mark. Or did you lift the veil? Yeah. Like, or are you at that almost breaking point? So your body's just like more open to the surroundings and stuff. Oh, I don't know. I don't know either. But I don't like it. I definitely don't like the face in the window and all that. Yeah, I, I know enough to know I don't want any part of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, last one, y'all. This is titled, Creepy Things Kids Say and Something Funny. Hello, girls. Second time writing. When my daughter was six years old, we used to live in a second floor apartment. So this one day when we were coming back from the store, my daughter heads straight up to her room, which was not the usual since we bought ice cream. I went to the kitchen and didn't notice, but my husband did. So he goes to get her and finds her crying under her blanket. So he comes to get me and we both ask her what was going on. And she said, when we were coming up the stairs, I saw someone standing under the stairs with black eyes and horns that was staring at me. My husband and I didn't know what to say to her other than daddy is going to check outside, but there's nothing to fear while you're in this house because we protect you. Then she stopped crying and started watching TV like nothing had happened. Now to something that happened to me. When I was back in high school, I was staying over at my friend's house when I woke up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and I heard a whisper, but I couldn't tell what it said. So I ran back to her room and I could hear it in her room too, but I didn't want to wake her up. So I tried to stay awake, but couldn't and ended up falling asleep. The next morning when I woke up, I heard it again, but I noticed it was coming from the top of her room wall. So I turned to look at it and right there, it was an airwick freshener. The whisper I kept hearing was this thing spraying every 10 minutes or so. Oh my God. I couldn't tell anyone about this up until now. I have more stories to come. Thank you for reading Wendy H. Oh my, that's some shit I would do. Okay, those 
fresheners so they do give that it's not just so like it's a hiss it is yeah, exactly a hiss yeah it's not the same as everything else and when it is on a timer like that i'm like wait what was that noise it you know like and then you forget about it and and mainly i'm saying this because uh if i am using the bathroom in a public place it does take me more than the a lot of time you know that time that the lights turned off on me. Right, been there. <laughs> but Carrie came in, I was like, thank God. <laughs> but yeah, but like it's happened again, but I enough time I had forgot about it. And I was like, <gasps> oh my gosh. So I can only imagine you're at your friend's house. So you're trying to be quiet, but you're not at like your house. So you're not super comfortable either, you know? So it's just like, oh God, aren't you glad you didn't wake her up? Also, being at, like, a friend's house like that is so uncomfortable. Like, when you are the first one to wake up and they're yes. still asleep and you're like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. Now Tiffany. what do I do? Uh-huh. She she would never be the first to wake up at her house. Never. And so I'd just be, like, sitting on the trundle bed, like, do, 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 do. <laughs> Nowadays, she's the first to wake up. Okay, so she stayed the night with me and... Uh, I slept out on the couch and Marley was on her chair, which is before the couch. And I heard Tiffany say, good morning, Marley, like real quiet. But so I heard it. And so I just waited till she got a little closer. And I said, like, what are you doing? Or something like that. She was like, oh my God, I heard you stop breathing. So I knew you were awake. I should have known that you were going to do something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. But she said, Did, what, what woke you up, my alarm? And I said, no, you're being very quiet. Like, the yes. loud shit could sleep through it all. The very quiet, like my ears, like, tick, 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 like detecting a sound, you know. Just, good morning, Marley. <laughs> kind of like when we were in Dallas and we were whispering and she was like, who are you talking to? Yes. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Well, thank y'all so much for sending these stories. Look, y'all always tease us with the, if you want to hear this, dead body story, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we fucking want to hear yeah, it. Yeah, we do. Send that shit in. Aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and don't get scared.